Good morning. It's good to be back here with you two weeks in a row. If you are visiting this morning, I want to just say welcome to you. Welcome to the members as well. Um, but I might be an unfamiliar face for you if you've been here before and you are, were expecting that handsome, strapping young man, Ransom, to be up here. Uh, as Will said earlier, our pastor's wife, Julie, ha- was uh, diagnosed with COVID, and, and so they are coming out of quarantine today. Um, I know they're excited. If you've had to quarantine in the, the 14-day quarantine, you know how they're feeling right now. When the, the clock strikes midnight, Ransom's going to go get Taco Bell, I'm sure, and any other fast food restaurant that he's missed over this quarantine period. So we'll be happy to have him back. I, uh, we started a sermon series on Advent last week. It's a four-week service uh, sermon series, and I have the first two weeks. I'll be finished today, and then Ransom will finish the sermon series over the next two weeks. And as we draw closer to Christmas Day, uh, we obviously are... We obviously are, are walking through this Advent series, and, and just a little bit, if you weren't here last week, I want to just give you a, maybe just a little bit of a foundation. Advent might not be a, a word that you've used a lot. It might not be a common word in your vocabulary. And so I want to take a moment and just briefly bring everybody up to speed if you're joining us today and you didn't hear the sermon last week. Advent is a time of preparation. Advent is a time of anticipation. Uh, for, for a great event that is going to happen. And what we're talking about in this is, is this great event is leading to Christmas Day in the birth of Jesus. The King of Kings put on flesh and came and dwelt among us. And that's what we're, we're heading towards here. Uh, I shared one of the commentaries that we talked about last week. Had a phrase, the genuine Christmas joy. We talked about the, the hustle of the holidays and how that's not the, the genuine Christmas joy that we're seeing in, in preparing ourselves for during this Advent season. That we are preparing ourselves for the King of Kings to come to this earth to save us. And so that's what we're preparing ourselves for. That's what this sermon series is on Advent. It is this genuine Christmas joy of God becoming man. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. Um, Our text this morning comes from the book of Matthew, first chapter. Uh, Last week, we got all the way through 17. We're going to finish the chapter this morning. We'll start in verse 18, and we'll take that to the end of chapter 1 this morning. If you're looking, I believe it's on uh, page three, we don't have Bibles out with COVID, but on page three of your bulletin, you can find the passage written if you don't have your Bible this morning. This is what Matthew writes, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For, oops, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks be to God that we get the, to see uh, this passage and, and the way that God came into our world as a, as a human being. Um, I want to start for a minute and, and go, there's passages in Scripture that can be difficult uh, for people inside the church, believers, for people outside the church, to comprehend. Uh, oftentimes, we have a problem as human beings is we tend to think that God is just a bigger, better one of us. You know, He's maybe at the simplest form, He's just nicer than us. He's more trustworthy than us. He's just more powerful than us. But He's kind of like us. You know, we know in Scripture we've been made in the image of God. But I want to tell you that God is not just a bigger, better one of us. He doesn't just have you know, level 10 on all the different things. He is completely different than you and I. And as we come into this passage this morning, we're, we're faced with this miracle. And miracles are hard for us to understand because typically as human beings, we define things and, and understand things by our own personal experiences, right? makes miracles hard to think. It goes against natural laws that we live by. It's hard to understand and, 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 and comprehend that, that a baby could be born without a husband and a wife. This is one piece of Scripture this morning that is going to defy all of our personal experiences. It's going to defy and challenge and push against do we believe that God is greater than what we can achieve and what we can comprehend? But I hope as we look into this this morning, as I hope we talk through these points that, that have stuck out in this passage, that we can understand God a bit more. That we can see that God is not a bigger, better one of us. But that He's completely different. He's the one who made all of this. He's the one who spoke you and I into existence. He's the one that knows every hair on our head. He's the one that tells the sea and the ocean to stop and not to come any further. He's the one who set the moon and the, the sun and the sky at the exact distance and tilt and angle so that we would not either burn or freeze. This is the God that can do all things. The one true God. So this morning, as we come into this passage, 
allow yourself to understand that God is not just a bigger, better one of Steve Pink or Ransom Ken or Kelly McCormick or Jeannie McCormick. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the God of Gods. He's the one true God that can do all things. And this morning we get to come into a place where we get to see how he shows and expresses his love and his goodness along with his power and his sovereign um, plan. I want to point out three different things this morning as we get started with the, with the Scripture. The first one is this. God put on flesh. Um, we, have a, we have a tendency to read right past that one. God put on flesh. Friends, God the Creator took on a body and a soul and came into this world. The Creator became part of the created beings. Now, of course, we talked last week that He was a 100% God and a 100% man. So, of course, Jesus is different than you and I. But the King of Kings humbled Himself and came into this world to rescue you and me. There was no selfish ambition, selfish gain in there. He came to rescue rebels. That while we were still sinners, He died for us. And so friends, this morning our first point is that God put on flesh. And we're going to come back to that. The second is, what does that say about God? What does that tell us about who God is and what He is like? And the third is, what does that mean for you and me? How does that change how we look at God? How does that affect the life of Steve Pink or said person listening to this message that God came into this world? How does that change or what does that mean for you and me? Well, a few thoughts as we get into that first point. Before we get there, uh, I just want to set a little bit of context. Uh, if you were here last week, you would probably remember me saying Matthew's Gospel was written primarily to Jewish men and women. That was the, the uh, first audience that he was writing it to. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because he starts out with this genealogy. He starts out showing that all what was said in the Old Testament to the Jewish men and women's holy book, the Torah, what was said in the Old Testament has been fulfilled in the person of Christ. That's really important. Matthew's saying, you haven't believed in vain what you believe about this holy uh, Scripture, the Torah, has actually come to be. It's come to pass. The Messiah that you have been waiting on is here, has come, has died, has resurrected, and now represents all those that trust Him for all of eternity. Don't believe that the story is still ongoing and, and you're looking for the Messiah, but realize that the Messiah has come. And, he, and so through the book of, of Matthew, there's point after point of reference to the Old Testament. Genesis 3 that Jesus, or the, the Christ, the, the Anointed One, will come by a woman. Genesis 22, from that seed 
uh, that Christ will come from Abraham. We see that in the genealogy in first chapter. From Genesis 49, he'll be of the tribe of Judah. We see that again. 2 Samuel 7, he'll be of the family of David. Matthew starts this first chapter with the proof. This is the awaited Messiah. He's coming. He's come, and you need to know that He's here. And you need to know that He's come to be the final sacrifice. Well, a rapid summary of the verses that we read this morning would go something like this. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. What does that word mean? Right? That's not a common word that we typically use either. But let me, let me start with saying it's like being engaged. We all understand that concept. It's like being engaged, except it's a little bit more. Okay? So it's like being engaged. Joseph and Mary were engaged at least to that point, but they were even more than that. The betrothal was, was, was a step past engagement. It was a period of time where we've already promised to be with each other. There's not a, this isn't going to work out, we're going to go our separate ways time. This is, we are almost married. The only thing we are waiting for is for this time of betrothal to end where we live separately, and then when that time is over, we will consummate the marriage. And we will be married. So this is a step further than, than this is what I want to do and I'm going to commit to you with a ring. This is, we are committed to each other. We are essentially married. We have just not consummated the marriage at this point. And so you understand the context that it brings up when we say that, uh, that Mary's pregnant and Joseph doesn't know about it. Obviously, that's very significant. That's a part of a relationship that, that Joseph, uh, I would imagine, at his best was sad, and at his worst, he was furious. But God had come to Mary. Luke gives us... I'm going to flip over to Luke chapter 1. You don't have to go there with me, but I'm going to read from... I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, 26-35. God... In the, uh, had come to Mary prior to this conversation that the angel of God has with Joseph. And so this is how God came to Mary to share with him what was going to happen. Luke gives us Mary's side of the story. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now remember, this is the angel of the Lord coming to Mary prior to Joseph understanding what's going on. It says, The Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this saying and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child will be born, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. When kind of this summary of what's going on, Mary knows. I imagine she feels overwhelmed. I imagine she feels comforted. I imagine she feels honored. But there is this problem that she is pregnant and Joseph doesn't understand and doesn't understand maybe even if they had talked about this conversation with the angel coming to, to her. And so how does God move? Joseph had kind of gotten to a point where he was going to divorce her. But God has a sovereign plan and God intercedes. And he's, he appears, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream as he's come to a place where he's going to quietly divorce her. And God explains to Joseph what he the angel of the Lord explains to Joseph what he explained to Mary. And we see this take place that Joseph was obedient. He listened to the Lord's counsel. What he couldn't understand, this miraculous thing that, that goes against all of his experience, he by faith trusts the Lord. Instead of his logic or his reasoning or the lies that are in his head of she's not telling the truth or it was just a dream, he trusted the Lord. And he was obedient. And it says that he stayed with her until she gave birth and they named him Jesus. The King of Kings has come into the world. And this morning, we're going to start with God the flesh. God put on flesh. We call that in the church incarnation. That God became man and dwelt among us. Um, Jesus' birth was different than any other boy named in this first chapter genealogy. Jesus' birth was different than any other uh, uh, Jewish man that was named through the lineage from Abraham on. We get to this point, you can see in the genealogy from last week, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and was the father of, and was the father of, and was the father of, and we get all the way towards the end of that segment of Scripture, and it says that Jacob was the father of Joseph, Joseph the husband of Mary. You can see that jo Joseph is not named the father of Jesus, because this miracle from God has happened. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but why does that matter that Joseph's name was not named as the father, but as the husband? Why does it matter that Jesus was, was born uh, and conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary instead of by man? Well, it matters because of this. Last week we talked that Jesus was the new Adam. He was the better Adam. Adam who? 
Adam, the first human being that God put together and made out of the dust. And then from him, he made out of his rib Eve. And then he told them to multiply and fill the earth. Well, from Adam's and Eve's first appearance and, 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 and not too long into their existence, they're tempted by the evil one, the enemy, Satan. And they rebel. They turn against God. God has given them life. God has given them all things. They are perfect and in a perfect relationship with the Father. They have no needs or wants. They are fully satisfied. Think about that for a minute. Think what it would be like to be fully satisfied. No wants. No desires that aren't met and fulfilled already. But they wanted the world to be about them. They wanted to be the God of their own life. They wanted to be the center of their own life. And so they turn their back on God, the Father, and they go and they create what they think will give them life. They leave the life source and they go and try to find life in everything else that it was not created to be found in. That's the lineage of Adam. That's the lineage of you and me. That's our spiritual genealogy. It's from the first Adam, that spiritual tree that we're a part of leads to death. Leads to separation from God. Leads to eternal separation from God's presence. But God, but God put on skin and came into the world to rescue you and me from this spiritual death through the person of Jesus. Not born by man or of man's desire, but born by the Holy Spirit through Mary. He represents a whole different lineage. He's a whole different family tree. He's a pipeline out of this death and isolation from God. He's God's chosen way to give us life and life to the full for eternity. To forgive our sins and to give us a new life. The person of Jesus comes as we are in this Advent season going towards this great event of God coming in the flesh to come and release us from our bondage of sin, our debt of sin, to pay for it, and to give us a new life. He's the better Adam. He's the new Adam. And those that trust Him are placed into His spiritual family tree where we're forever with Him. Not guilty of sin any longer because of the work He's done to take away our sin. Emmanuel, from Isaiah 7.14, they shall call His name Emmanuel. It means God with us. God Almighty came to rescue you and me.
Paul says it like this in Colossians 1.15. He says, the image, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. What does that mean? Paul's telling the church at Colossae, he's saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, if you've ever wondered what God is like, what, what He does, what His characteristics are, if you ever have wondered what God is like, all you need to do is look at Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. Well, what's this say about God? It says He's in control. This passage lets us know that He's in control. He has a plan and a plan of redemption. And guess what? Our human logic, the natural laws of physics, nothing can stop the Creator doing and carrying out His sovereign plan. That's really important. Because there's a lot of stuff in our lives that are really hard, even right now. A lot of families in this church are walking through some very hard and desert-like times. And we're wondering, is this part of God's plan for us? I wonder how Mary thought and how she felt knowing that she was pregnant and, and the angel of the Lord had appeared to her and told her what was going to happen, but her soon-to-be husband had no clue. I bet you that felt like a desert. I bet you that was really hard. I would imagine Joseph felt the same way. A woman he loved, who he was ready to embrace and, and call his wife for the rest of his days. I remember, I, I, I imagine the pain of maybe considering the fact that she had committed adultery and that he was going to divorce this woman. There's a lot of really, really hard, broken things on this side of heaven that came into this world through the first Adam and that we continue to participate. We're slave to. But God is in control and He comes into our world to rescue us and give us a new life. The life we were intended to have. A righteous relationship with Him. Holy. Without blemish. Perfect. He's in control. And His characteristics are shown and magnified even in our disobedience. It shows He's good. Everybody wants to be a good father or have a good father. It's a desire most people have. God is the perfect father. He desires for us all that a good, perfect father would want. I mentioned earlier Romans 5, as Paul says, while we were still sinners, while we were still in our disobedient state, while we were still yelling and calling for life without Him, He died for you and me. It brings us to He loves us. God loves you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God loves you. Relentlessly. Intentionally. Philippians 2, 
Paul writes about Jesus. If you want to see how He loves you in a humble way. Jesus who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But Jesus emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. He loves you. Is there a greater way to prove God's love for you than by laying down His life and taking upon your sin and punishment so that you, He would be completely just and completely justified in giving you a new life. With Him. Not just, here's your second chance, see ya. Come. I have a room prepared for you in my mansion. There are many rooms in my house that I've prepared for you. Well, finally, what's this mean for you and me? God enters our disorder and brings order. Out of love, He gives us a pipeline back into an ordered and right life. The way life was supposed to be. He rescues you and me. And then He represents you and me. He rescues you and me from our sin by putting on flesh, living the life that we never could, dying the death that we deserved, and then rising back to life, defeating death to represent you and me for all of eternity. And He promises, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. And I'll never let you go. He gives us a genuine Christmas joy. by becoming our Savior. And as we prepare for His birth date of coming into this world as a person, my encouragement to you is to see the Gospel of grace that God did not stay isolated from you because of our sin. He did not, he did not turn away from, from you and live on into eternity as we died off, but instead, out of His great love for you, He came, humbled Himself, became like you and me, endured the pain and the brokenness that you and I face in this world, both as a victim of sin and a villain of sin. He felt and understood the pain and brokenness of this world and was the ultimate victim of sin. Not a villain of sin. He was never a villain of sin. He was the ultimate victim of sin. Our sin. And as we look forward to Christmas Day coming, allow your heart to remember that He has come to rescue you and represent you all your days. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful 
for this morning. We're grateful for the gospel. We are grateful for the reality that you 2,000 some years ago put on skin. But that wasn't a reaction. That wasn't option B. That was option A. Lord, that Your sovereign plan would be carried out through a virgin named Mary and through a good man named Joseph. They, They would raise You up. That they would clean up Your skin knees. That You humbled Yourself to the point where they would wipe Your nose and get You dressed. To grow up and to be the Savior that all of mankind needs to be right with You again. Praise You, God. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.